Hey friends, and welcome to the Moving Mountains podcast. Moving Mountains is a place to hear true stories of modern day miracles told by ordinary people just like you and me. My name is Paige, and I'm joined here in Alaska by my dear friends, Margaret and Bernadette, as we witness accounts of how God has worked in people's lives in big and small ways. As you listen to these stories of hope, answered prayers, and unexplained phenomena, we invite you to allow this space to inspire your faith and even to help you recognize the ways in which God is moving mountains in your own life. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Moving Mountains podcast. This is Margaret. I'm calling or <laughs> speaking to you from a very, very <laughs> snowy uh, Alaska day up here. It's December when we're recording this. So, Bernadette, do you want to tell everyone how much snow Anchorage got in the last, I don't know, yeah. two days? 16 plus inches. <laughs> and it's like driving on a like road filled with potholes, just going, trying to go down the street right now. Oh my god! Just gosh. getting out of the driveway is almost impossible. There's like narrow lanes with snow piled up. I, I mean, I had to go to the pharmacy tonight to get my son a prescription and um, they're just like cars stuck in the side of the road. And yep. there's just like random mounds of snow in the middle of like the main streets in Anchorage. <laughs> It's crazy. It fell so fast that they, I like plowing. I don't even know. They didn't. They couldn't keep up. No. And I even drove I today. Read, and there were still places that. Yeah, I read an article this morning that said one that it was a record-breaking snowfall uh, in the past twenty years. Yeah. <laughs> so a twenty-year record-breaking snowfall, and then I read something else that was saying that they plowed the streets this morning, but then within like two hours it was already like well maybe not two hours but in a couple like few hours it was already 10 inches of snow back on the ground that and would have been yesterday like yep no plowing had happened yeah yeah i mean that's Crazy. exactly it was it just was non-stop snowing for a couple of days and every time you looked back outside it was like i mean you couldn't even tell where the road was when you just looked out to the street versus neighborhood sidewalks gosh <laughs> Meanwhile, it was 80 degrees in Austin, Texas today. It's <laughs> probably going to be spring or something and, you know, the birds are chirping, but it was a fun, it was a fun couple days, except for people getting stuck. I will say that um, some places we got closer to 20 inches here. And then I talked to a family today who said they had 30 inches on their deck and they lived oh, out wow. Eagle River Road towards the nature oh center. So, yeah, I will say it looks it looks more than, I don't know how much we got here, but it looks like we have at least a foot and a, a, foot half. And a half or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been very exciting. I can't wait to ski personally. Um, <laughs> but that's not what we came here to talk about today. So we, <laughs> I think I'm going to pass it on to Paige. Um, our special guest is related to her. So I'm going to give you control of that introduction, Paige. Yes, my special guest is sitting right next to me is my little brother, Kevin. Um, he is two years younger than me. Uh, and we got to grow up together doing lots of fun <laughs> things. And <laughs> he's my dorky little brother. Um, and he's got a big grin on his face right now. Kevin, say hi. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Welcome, um, Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, we'll have you introduce yourself in just a moment uh, to tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself. But before that happens, I think Bernadette has a very important question for us. Uh, yes, yes, very important. 
Um, so I have to admit, I just came up with this question in like the last two minutes because I was not prepared for today. Um, <laughs> so my very important question, Kevin, you can answer first is, do you say crayon or crayon or something else? It's definitely crayon. And if you say it any way else, it's wrong. Wait, say, say it again. Say it again. Crayon. Crayon. Okay. What about you, Paige? I'm ass- I yep. mean, you guys are in the same family. I am in agreement. Yeah. Crayon. Um, this is really funny though, because we had a whole conversation with our friend Andrew, um, about this and he can, like, cannot say crayon to save his life. Like we tried to teach <laughs> him like syllable by syllable and he was like, crayon. <laughs> Cause he's so like distinctly says crown, like yeah, crown. Okay, yeah. That should have been a third option. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What about Crown you, Margaret? Another crayon. So not crayon? the way you guys like say it. Cranberry? I don't say crayon. You say crayon, like yeah, cranberry. Crayon. The crayon, the crayons. Yeah, man, it's it must funny be a to Midwest say it out thing. loud. It's funny to say it out loud though, because as you were saying that, I said, "How do?" I was thinking, "How do I say that?" Mm-hmm. Crayon, crayon. I think I say crayon. Crayon. All right, yeah, I don't I, pronounce the Y. I don't think I do either. Um, it's again, it's kind of trippy for me too, but I think it must be a Midwest thing. Cause we grew up saying mm-hmm. crayon. And if there's any hint of a syllable, it's still just like crayon, crayon. you know? Crayon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much That's like cranberry. So <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so there we have it. Crayon, crayon and crown. Yeah. We'll have to do a poll on right. Instagram. Where, where yeah. but where does Andrew live? He, he's a born and raised Alaskan. Oh, you're talking about the Andrew we know. Our okay. Andrew. Our yeah. Andrew. Got it. Yes. Okay. You said our friend Andrew, so I was like, maybe it's her and her brother's friend Andrew who lives in Texas. I don't know. That's really funny. I think the next time I see him, I will ask him to say the word and see what happens. Yes, you should. <laughs> He'll just get a big smile on his face. <laughs> Great question, Bernadette. Yeah. Thanks. Well, we, Kevin, we'd love to hear an introduction from you, and uh, we know you have some awesome, crazy uh, life stories to share with us. So feel free to take the stage. Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Kevin Christensen. I'm Paige's little brother. Um, So back in my glory days when I was a wild little youngster, um, I would do a lot of (laughs) pretty ridiculous things. Um, But one of the most, um, the one of the ones that stood out the most was when I was four years old, and it was um, during the summertime in California. And in my uh, parents' house in California, there pretty much the entire back of the house was their bedroom. So they had their bedroom on one side of the house, and then the bathroom was pretty much on the other side of the house. So the entire back of the house was their bedroom. Upstairs. On Upstairs. The so... One, usually I'll go up to their bathroom and like yell out the window for my next door neighbors, Tyler and Jacob to see if they could play so before <laughs> the days of cell phones where you could just call, call up your buddies. Or you could just walk over, but I mean, exactly. it's more fun to yell. Or, or your floor, you're four. Right. So. so yeah, exactly. 
don't know. Maybe there's some with, four-year-olds who have you phones. Have, like, today. The rotary phone with like the the you know wires yeah. like going through every room in the house. That's how it was when we were. Little. I always thought that took too much time, but then then again, yelling out a window took a pretty good amount of time too. Um, but uh, this one specific day, uh, my sister Brienne was up in the bathroom blow drying her hair, and she had the window open and. Little four-year-old Kev didn't know the difference between uh, the window and a screen. So I'm leaning up against the screen, and the window, or the screen, pops out, and I decide to, I don't decide, I, with (laughs) momentum, go with the screen. And I am falling face forward, face forward, and end up hitting uh, headfirst onto our concrete patio, and then bounced into our jacuzzi, into our hot tub. What? Yeah, yeah, and uh, after that, I mean, I definitely got knocked out, and from that point, there's just, like, little images in my head that I have from that happening. Uh, one is, like, me falling face forward, oh like, I have that in my head, and then another is um, me on my back looking up at the ceiling, and, like, paramedics are working on me in my oh, living wow. room, and then wow. another one is me in the ambulance, like, coming to as well. Um, and then when I was in the hospital, well, before you go in, I'm going to, I'm going to hop in as the big older sister, of course, um, Mm -hmm. and give a little bit of my perspective. So I was six at the time. Um, and we were my, um, sister, Brittany and Brooke, we were in our living room. So we had two living rooms in this house. So we were in the front living room. Um, which is by the front door. And we just hear my sister, Brianne, who um, Brianne is 11 years older than me and tw- um, 13. 13 years older than Kevin. Um, so she just starts screaming bloody murder. And Gosh. we're like, what is happening? And my dad, he um, he's always worked at our house. He has an office in every house that we li- lived in. Um, and it, it was always like, when dad is working, like we're not allowed to scream in the house. And so we're like, why is she screaming? And my dad comes out of the office, like who's screaming, you know, and she's oh, like, no. what's going on? And she's just like, like m- my sisters and I, we think, Oh, is there a bee up there? Like what happened? Like we're kind of laughing about it and she cannot speak. Like she's just mm-hmm. screaming and she's just saying all she can get out is Kevin, Kevin and she's just pointing to the backyard. And so my dad is just like, Oh my gosh, what happened? And he just sprints for the backyard. So naturally we follow and we get out into the backyard and our older brother, Cody, who is two years older than me, four years older than Kevin. Um, so he was eight at the time. He is standing in our jacuzzi, fully clothed, have, he has his shoes on and everything standing there holding Kevin just slightly out of the water so that he didn't like drown him because Kevin's face was face down in the water. So yeah, just imagine like this eight year old boy is just standing in the water and he knew like not to jostle Kevin or anything because his neck might be broken, you know, like he just knew to like stand there and just hold him out of the water. Um, And then my sister Brianne got on the phone, called 911. Um, and my mom and our oldest brother, Kyle, they were at a dentist appointment. So they weren't even home. 
and this was before my mom had a cell phone. And so then after my sister hung up with 911, she had to call the dentist and tell them to get a hold of them to get a hold of my mom to tell them like you need to come home right now like something happened to your son um so yeah then the paramedics came and i just remember standing there when they were working they pulled kevin um into our living room and i just remember these huge men just like moved our couch with like one swift movement that's one of like (laughs) the images i have is like them throwing the couch over and like huh. walking on me. And I thought it looked huh. so strange. Yeah. And I remember standing there just being like, this doesn't happen to us. Like this doesn't happen to our family. Like I'm thinking my little brother is not going to survive this because like <laughs> that's not a natural thing to survive. Um, right. And so, yeah, then he uh, got put into the ambulance and I remember all of our neighbors were coming out um, and looking and, my mom and brother pulled up right as the ambulance was about to leave. So my mom, I remember seeing her jump out of the car and jump straight into the ambulance with Kevin. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he got taken to the hospital and now you can continue. Yeah. So I was in ICU for three days. And when I got to ICU or when I got to the hospital, um, I had a pretty rough concussion and the concussion was so heavy that I had a seizure. And when I had it, I think I had either one or two episodes. And so they gave me um, some anti-seizure medicine, which ultimately led to me hallucinating that there were spiders all over me and all over our hospital room. Oh my. And my dad to this day says that the, that was the longest night of his life having to, you know, like be by my side with, me freaking out like that and oh to this day God. i i hate spiders if oh if i walk into a spider web i have to take my entire shirt off that's how <laughs> scared i am of spiders oh. um but yeah like and you know to this day i always am very happy well i'm, I'm grateful that that happened to me as opposed to any of my other siblings just because i don't like they, they they always tell me the stories of how scared they were when it happened and I don't remember a single thing from it. So I'm like, mm-hmm. man, this is pretty, like, I'm glad that happened to me as opposed to yeah. somebody else because that and, would freak me out. And I think a, a big reason for Kevin, you know, still being alive is because of his weight and because of his age. Um, I'm a guardian angel. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, but aside from the guardian angel um, and God, was that was part of the reason, you know, was like he, he was a smaller four-year-old. Um, and so he didn't have, like when he hit, he did hit hard, but, um, he didn't have that much weight. And so I think, I mean, that's what like our parents have always said. And I think the doctor said that too, um, was that was a big factor. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so how long were you in the hospital for Kevin? Yeah. So I was in ICU for three days. And when I got out, that's, I mean, that's pretty much it. All I had was a little scrape of my forehead up here. Um, and yeah, I was good to go. And actually funny thing, a couple weeks after I left the hospital, um, those same neighbors I was trying to call, I feel like their backyard's cursed after telling these stories, but, um, (laughs) I went, I was, um, over at their house in their backyard and they were building a pool and it was about a 10 feet deep pool. 
and it was empty and I was walking along the side and I fell in and busted <laughs> my lip on the <laughs> bottom of that pool. Two weeks after being out of the hospital. Weeks, and yeah. Oh my goodness. Definitely going to have CTE one day. <laughs> I don't know how my parents uh, got through those days with Kevin. <laughs> no kidding. Goodness. Oh my gosh. Wow. So yeah. I'm like, just knowing something like that happened to you as a kid, have you always thought about that as like a miracle that your life was spared? I mean, I can't, I can't uh, imagine. It, I do. It, it is like fun. That. It is fun to think about your life like that sometimes. And like, definitely think that, you know, like God is looking out for you and you know, you have a purpose here. And there's something, you know, for you to do here because of the amount of things that I've been through, like falling out of the window is definitely the biggest. Um, I mean, there's one time where my brother and I and one of our friends, we were just in our front yard swinging baseball bats. And my brother's friend went as hard as he could, swung as hard as he could. And for some reason, I thought I wanted a better position, like to watch him swing his bat. So I like yeah. took a step in the wrong direction and I caught yeah. the baseball bat right next to my temple. And oh my all I had was just a giant welt. And if it was probably a quarter inch to the left, I probably would be dead. Um, oh my gosh. You know, I mean, you I've hit my kept head. the world's hardest head. <laughs> Some people say, yeah. Or two you know, guardian you angels. Have a, you, yeah, have no. a built in, you have a built-in helmet that we can't see. Yeah. God was like, he's going to need that. <laughs> They're going to do tests on it one day when I'm, when I'm gone. Well, and also his head, when he was one year old, um, we, were, we were homeschooled, so we always had park days, like every Thursday. And he... There, this park had a gazebo at it. Um, and Kevin was just playing on the gazebo and I guess just like did some flip or something off the gazebo and split his head open. I was, I was, uh, running, I was getting chased. And and I, um, (laughs) so the gazebo, it was like a hallway and there were railings on each side. And at one point it turned on a 90 degree angle, like, you know, just cut real hard. And I was, my back was turned running up this hallway or this like this little pathway and I didn't see it end. And I got clotheslined by the gazebo and my head cracked open and yeah, it was pretty, pretty rough. (laughs) Maybe that was the the precursor to the rest of the head injuries. So it just gave you a thicker head. So you're, you know, we're protected. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've had a nuts. few concussions. Yeah, it's pretty pretty ridiculous. Do you know? So do you know? I mean, that the third story ball. That's what thirty feet. If it, if you if it's you know yeah, within was, a story was, ten feet. I would say it was probably like twenty twenty five feet. It's a two story window. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but regardless, or irregardless, however you say that, it it seems to me that there should have been some residual issues. Oh, there are. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But no, you're, you're no, right. You there. know what I mean? Like, yeah. obviously, you know, maybe you're a little more goofier. You know, I myself really yeah. too, so I, I, I feel you. I always think about that. My my mom even has mentioned that, like, maybe that's, like, because there, there's, um in school, like, I was never that great at school, and it was always, you know, harder for me to learn than I feel like other kids. And my mom and I always thought, like, maybe, you know, 
that has a little bit to do with it. But, I mean, you never know. I mean, I don't have a traumatic head injury, and I struggle to learn, too. So mm, it's like, yeah. you know, it could just mm-hmm. be the nature of how you're made. But, no, that's, I mean, it could be. But I guess I meant, you know, like, it's not like you're going back in and um, constantly having to get brain scans and different things like that. Like, I'm sure there was follow-up when you were little. But the fact that, I mean, we, you know, wouldn't know talking to you that you fell on your head, you know, on oh, pavement. Yeah. Even being, having to go into the ICU for three days and then being discharged straight out of that, you know? Yeah. That's, that's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. Going I thought you were going to say two months or something. Camp. I was yeah. surprised. Yeah, I know. I mean, I've been so lucky. I mean, there's uh, 2016, I was driving home one night and <clears throat> I was going probably like 55 down our, um, our, um, like our just regular, the main street, yeah, in, the our main town. street in our town. <clears throat> and there was a uh, Lake Travis football game, um, that was coming back and it was probably like 1130 midnight and everybody in, you know, part, that was part of the football program. So like cheerleaders, band members, they were all coming back to the school to get dropped off. And during this time, our town after 10 p.m. would have blinking yellow lights for right-of-way traffic and blinking oh, red yeah. for people who are turning in. And so I'm coming down the road and I have the right-of-way and there's a lot of traffic coming in and out of the high school. And when I'm probably, I'd say 20 yards from the intersection going 55 miles per hour, this car decides they can go. And so I have to dodge them and then the car behind them thinks they can go too. And so I went head on with them going about 55, 60 miles per hour. And that was the first real only time in my life where I like realized right before it happened where I was like, I'm dead. I was like, it's over. And luckily I had a minor concussion. I, just hurt my uh, my wrists and my feet just a little bit, but other than that, I was fine. I, I'm getting this image. That's amazing, first of all. But I'm getting this image of like your guardian angel covered in like bandages and and like <laughs> like not that they experienced that, but it's it's like this person's working overtime for you, and you know what I mean. Yeah. Like after someone's had you know an accident or something, and they're just it's like that. It's like that meme. It's like my guardian angel's hands look like this, so mine can look like this. Yeah, his guardian angel and, has like, like the a wings neck are taped because he's like, oh man, we just need a break. <laughs> <laughs> yep, man, that makes. But me. in all seriousness, it's beautiful yeah. and like a testament to what you said earlier, Kevin is there's a purpose, you know, it's, it's, God has this plan, this beautiful plan and all of these things you've experienced. And I think you do have a couple more stories, but it's, it's to make you stronger. It's probably to help you witness to others, um, you know, and, and realize like, well, if that was your time, then that was your time, but it's not, you're still here with mm-hmm. us. And so, mm-hmm. you know, great, beautiful things are still to come for you. And so it's awesome that you're here to, you know, give testimony to this. Yeah, and it, and it is cool also to have these stories in my back pocket, not only for other people, but just for me to like, whenever I do have days where like, I'm not feeling, you know, all that great. I'm like, right. 
I like this. It gives me faith, you know, to know that, you know, I am here for a reason. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Honestly, Kevin, like his whole life truly is a miracle because when he was in my mom's womb, um, so he's number seven of the seven kids in our family. So my mom, I believe she was 41 when she had Kevin. Um, and the doctors told her that, um, when they did a scan, they saw that all of his organs were like growing on the outside of his body and that he, sh that they should abort him. Um, and so of course my parents being the devout Catholics that they are and pro-lifers that they are, were like, absolutely not. We're not going to do that. Um, and Kevin was born and there was no issue. Um, the only thing was that there was a little cyst like right on his chest um, or right below his yeah, chest. Right, right below my um, pectoral. Yeah, that was just fluid that they just drained and that was it. Wow. And so it's, it's like, like Take that, doctor. <laughs> yeah, no, truly. Um, but yeah, it's like we can go back to the story of him being a one-year-old and cracking his head open and being like, that's where the miracle started. But it's like, no, truly, like his whole life is a miracle. The, mm -hmm. the fact that doctors told my parents to abort him and then he had absolutely nothing wrong with him. I got to wonder. It's like, making me. Oh, I was just going to say it's making me think of Father Michael Shields, who we've had on the podcast a couple times, and he's our uh, spiritual guide in this journey. But he has so many crazy experiences throughout his life, too. And he's he's in his mid-70s, Kevin, so he has some time on you. But um, <laughs> one of Gives his most hope. recent ones was last year when he had that really bad car accident. He had that same moment he shared where he was just like, he said, all, all that went through his head is like, I'm yours. Because he thought, like, oh, I'm like, I'm going to meet God. This is it. And then, you know, he's like, and then instead I woke up and I got to see all your ugly faces again. It's like, <laughs> God, what the heck? You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but uh, it's just, you know, his stories have always been so incredible because he, as a, as a person just has had such, you know, he had like this kind of wild youth and then was called to the priesthood. And then he has made such an impact on the community here and in Russia and all over the world, actually. Um, and it's just really cool hearing how God has obviously like preserved his life and guided him in a very unique way over and over again. And so it's just, you know, I don't know, listening to all of your stories, it's like clearly there has been an attack on your life over and over again. You know, we mm -hmm. could, we don't know on what level it's like, you know, is and trying to hurt you and like target you specifically because there is some purpose that um that god created you for that he doesn't want to be lived out i don't know you know like it's not mm -hmm. like we want to read into things that aren't there but it's possible and so it's just really cool to hear um like all these stories of someone who clearly your life has been spared over and over again and you're still like a fully functioning normal human being like margaret said mm -hmm. you're not necessarily you're not a paraplegic or like right. having trouble speaking or having seizures um you yeah. know all the things that it. you could be dealing with um so it just makes me excited to see like oh what is the purpose for your life that is unfolding and that god has in mind because clearly you know some people aren't spared 
even once, mm-hmm. but you've been spared right. over and over again. So it just is like, wow, Kevin must have like a very specific purpose and God doesn't want him to, to come home until you're able to actually fulfill that and live that out, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my mom, would, uh, she, always, she would always say, you know, the more suffering you do on earth, the less you have to do in purgatory. So, mm-hmm. you know, just like, I guess like offer it up. Right. I'm, I'm okay with taking it. <laughs> yeah. I love what you said. For you. That. I also think that the per, you know, you're living your purpose right now, mm-hmm. you know, and maybe there's something bigger that will happen. You know, like father Mike has all these incredible encounters and stories. The thing is you probably have some of those already and maybe you don't think of them as huge or impactful, but what is our purpose to know, love and serve the Lord. And so if you're saying yes to the Lord now in your day to day and living that out, then you're fulfilling that now. So it might not look, you know, it's like mother Teresa, I think says do small things with great love. It might not look like this big thing, right? Like some people think, Oh, I can only post on Instagram if I've scaled Denali five times. And it's like, (laughs) no, if that's not your calling and your purpose, then it doesn't mean anything. There's, there's no impact there. Um, so anyway, I just don't want to discount that even now your day to day is you living the mission and your life being spared is you living the mission. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, not to discount what Bernadette said at all, just to add to it is like, there's already been fruit and I'm sure there will be more fruit and it's like, it will be exciting to mm-hmm. see. Yeah, it's just like happening as right. life, of course, is unfolding every day. Exactly. In the present. I was going to say earlier, too, about um, the scan, you know, the scan in utero, utero, utero that's how you say that. <laughs> I wonder if it was true. Like, were they telling the truth? Mm-hmm. Or was this doctor like, this is their son and the kid? You know, like, I just don't, you don't know what they were thinking. You don't know what they were thinking. And I don't, I don't want to put them down, but I just thinking about the fact that people are told things, oh, your child might be fill in the blank. Um, you should abort the child. How many of those babies are perfectly healthy? Mm-hmm. And oh, God can it do anything. So, all the time. Exactly. Like even my sister-in-law with their second baby, they were told that she had microencephaly, which is like where the baby has like a real born with a really tiny head and they have all these health issues and die as an infant. Um, so they had a really, really stressful pregnancy with her and, um, and then she was born completely normal. And again, I, you know, part of it is all of the instruments that we have, like even ultrasound is so much better than it used to be, but it's still very inaccurate. You know, my sister who's had six kids is told every single time she's going to have a giant baby and she hasn't ever had a baby over six pounds <laughs> no, well, in, in the six pound range. And every mm-hmm. time that they tell her that she's like, I know I'm not having a giant baby. Um, but you know, it's just whether or not, you know, maybe there are some random instances out there of people giving false information. But I also just believe a lot of it is, you know, with the instruments we have, you can try to play God and say, this is what, you know, we 
again, it's where you go to acting as God, taking authority over who gets to live and who gets to die. Really, in the end, like God has control and maybe Kevin's organs were growing outside of his body and through prayer, he was healed. I know there are other stories in your family, too, of miraculous healing of Mm -hmm. stage four cancer and, um, (laughs) yeah, you know, other stuff along that line. And, and that's the whole premise of this podcast is, yeah, sometimes horrible things are a reality and then prayer changes them. So we have to leave it up to God versus trying to act as him. Yeah, definitely. Everything, everything got, everything is driven towards the good and driven towards deepening your relationship with God. So, you know, maybe your fall or the, or whatever, all these situations have maybe increased your faith, but you also may not even know the impact you had on somebody else who saw like this kid shouldn't be alive, but they're alive. Mm -hmm. You know, just, just that idea of maybe a nurse, you know, like this kid, how is this, how did this kid survive this? You know what I'm saying? It's, it gets them thinking. And so if we're always drawn to the greater glory of God. Like everybody's story is different. You were saying earlier, um, somebody was saying that, you know, someone may not have survived that fall. And for some reason that was their purpose. So it sounds weird to say that, but mm-hmm. that was supposed to lead the people around them closer to the Lord. So like, I'm not trying to say I'm happy when young people die, <laughs> but that, God has a greater purpose for everything that we experience in our lives. And if we can take that and look at the fruit and see the fruit, it's more glorious than we could even imagine for ourselves, you know, even if it's something that's really traumatic and difficult. Like Paige, I'm sure you have probably a very vivid image of your brother, you know, you said with the paramedics around and like that, that, that wouldn't leave me either, you know, Mm -hmm. when you were so young and everything. So, um, I think the point of all that is just that it's, you know, everything we experience is supposed to point us up, right? Mm -hmm. Keep looking up. Yeah. Yeah. And and for me personally, like I have never broken a bone. I've never had, you know, (laughs) like my siblings have been through far more than I have been through um, physically, but it is such, you know, like to be, there standing watching your sibling suffering Mm -hmm. not knowing if your sibling is going to make it through this thing um there is so much faith that comes with that um and like prayer you know like you're just pleading to the lord um and in in one sense like how kevin said i'm so happy this happened to me and not my siblings you know i'm on the other side saying like why didn't this happen to me like, Lord, take me, don't take my little brother. Or like, Lord, like, spare my older sister. She has, you know, she has four kids. I'm a single woman at the time. Like, take me. Um, Mm. And, but then, you know, so like your prayer just deepens so much. But then also to just be there and witness these people that you love so dearly and Mm. so deeply go through these things and see how strong they are. Um, and how their faith and their trust in God, um, like that strengthens my faith and my right. trust in God, you know? Right. Um, yeah, it's like these things happen, but, and they seem so awful. And, uh, you know, every person on this podcast and everybody listening 
as stories of like loved ones who have died or traumatic things that have happened um, to loved ones or families or friends or even just like the world, you know, sometimes the things that happen in the world can really weigh heavily on us as well. Um, but it's just, it's really amazing to just contemplate how important and um, essential suffering is in our human experience. And so it, you know, it'd be, it'd be kind of crazy to imagine what our lives would be like without those experiences that we went through. Like what would, what would be different for Kevin if he hadn't gone through all these different experiences? And if your family hadn't gone through the experiences with different siblings, um, because those experiences do shape us and form us so much. Um, it's reminding me of like in high school religion class when we, one of the things that we learned, it might've been like a Jeff Cavins thing. I'm, I don't remember exactly, but it was 10 reasons to believe in a God who allows suffering. Mm-hmm. And I've always remembered that because it just, it so distinctly talks about how important, you know, if suffering didn't exist, we would be drawn to nothing. Like life would be so shallow. Um, Mm -hmm. And the way that suffering draws people together, it helps you detach from this world and turn your eyes up to God. And um, it also just, you know, brings people together in a way that, you know, all of a sudden people are just drawn so close together and the level of care, you know, like I I just imagine what it was like for your family standing in the living room with all the paramedics, you know, in that instant, any argument that you were having or annoyance that, you know, (laughs) siblings had Mm. between each other, it disappears and you, it refocuses you onto the eternal because all of a sudden it's life and death. And, you know, there, I don't, I can't like name off all the 10 points, but it's always just stuck with me because like suffering forms us and it's the only thing that draws us away from ourselves and our selfishness into others and God ultimately, ultimately like into community. Um, and so, so you know, just hearing your stories, it's like, oh, you know, I wonder what impact it actually has had on Kevin's life and that all of the people around you who love you and care about you. Um, and yeah, that's one of the questions, you know, I want to ask God when I get to heaven, like all the suffering that's happened, it's like, can you just show me what fruit that had? Because (laughs) in the moment, all I could do was say like, this must be the will of God for us today or for those Mm -hmm. people today. Um, Kind of like my my husband and I have a Walter Chizek mantra in our house now, ever since like the miscarriages, his book, He Leadeth Me, helped us so much because Mm -hmm. um, for those of you who don't know who he is, he was in the Soviet um, prison camps for over 20 years. I think he was in solitary confinement for five years just went through like ridiculous suffering and persecution and came out with like the strongest faith, faith and most valuable wisdom. And his mantra was just like, you know, okay, I have to get up and shovel coal for 15 hours with no food again. I guess this must be the will for will of God for me today, you know? Mm. Um, and so it's, it is <clears throat> crazy when you hear about a story of like a four year old pushing through a screen, it's like, how could God allow that to happen? But it, you just have a different perspective when you ask, like, okay, I guess this is the will of God for us today. What is he doing with this? You know? And you'd have to ask that question, whether it was a little boy who died 
for a little boy who went to the ICU for three days and came out with one little scrape on his forehead, you know? <laughs> so Yeah. And I'm actually really glad that I have, you know, so many of these because it does allow me to, you know, like you said, like kind of think about you know, like the fruits that come from them, like the different experiences. And I'm, you know, glad that I have so many so that I can share them and, you know, um, situations like this, mm-hmm. you know, settings like this. And, you know, I really appreciate you guys letting me do this. Yeah. I think it's also yeah. cool, Kevin, because majority of Kevin's friends aren't Catholic. Um, and so I think it's cool that when you, you know, Kevin has two more tiny little stories that aren't a matter of life and death, but um, <laughs> they're still kind of crazy <laughs> stories, but he has this giant scar on his knee. And so if anyone I'm sure people ask him about it all the time. Like what happened there? And Kevin can tell that story. And then that just kind of spirals into all of these stories of things that he's mm. experienced. And, um, cause with Kevin, it's like, you can't just tell one story. You like, you have to go through the whole timeline of stories. And every time you're like, no, no, no you thought we were done. No, we have another one to tell you. <laughs> and people are like, that's insane. And right. It's just like people, when they hear about Kevin's life, they're just like, wow, God, God is looking out for him. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously God is looking out for all of us. Um, But it's really cool when there are people who are not Catholic or who are not Christian um, and who maybe don't even really ever acknowledge God, who can look at Kevin's life and say like, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe there is a God. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced that with your friends? Kind of. They haven't exactly said that specifically, but you can tell that, like, maybe in like, their, like the way that they react to a story, they're like, okay, there's yeah. definitely something. It gets like, them thinking. It gets them thinking, and gets them thinking like, okay, there's definitely got to be something, you know, higher than me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's just out. about planting the seed, right? It's mm-hmm. you may not see the fruit. But in 20 years, they might experience something similar and be like, huh, you know, it's really, I think that's one of the hard things about the Christian journey and kind of living a life of mission, which is, you know, we're all called to do. So I'm a youth minister and these kids go off and I have no idea. Like teenagers Mm -hmm. don't exactly walk up to me and be like, that was awesome, Margaret. Like sometimes (laughs) they do, but you know, Paige knows. And Mm -hmm. yeah, you don't necessarily get to see the fruit, but if we have the courage enough to, to be true, because you could tell your story and not mention God. I mean, I fell out a window and I survived, you know, but when we witness and, and you give credit to the, to God, that helps other people think about their story in con- that context too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So do we get to hear the knee story? Yes. Yeah, so um, <laughs> it's actually funny. I'll tell a little short story before I tell the actual story. But typically when people ask me what happened, I always like to tell them I got bit by a shark because it looks like a shark bite, like a little Sweet. shark bite. And, <laughs> and I can roll with it for a pretty long time until I will tell them that I'm just messing with them. But um, when I was 10 years old, I was playing uh, just like pickup soccer in my friend's backyard. And I attempted to slide tackle him a couple times and 
I kept, you know, like missing and I kept getting aggravated and I kept wanting to, you know, like, uh, you know, make sure I could actually do it. And so the third time I tried doing it, I went really aggressively and went for the slide tackle and I slid right into a sprinkler head and it sliced my knee like a pizza all the way to the bone. And, yeah, I saw my saw my <laughs> kneecap. I saw all that good stuff, and yeah, I got twenty seven stitches in my knee, and uh, my summer was over after that. Oh, but his life was not. <laughs> <laughs> and now he has a really cool scar on his knee. Yeah, shark bite. And then we might definitely have to post uh, a picture of the knee scar. We might have. Yeah, to. and then I have another one on my shin, which this one was. Definitely one of the more painful things I've ever had experienced. Um, but long story short with this one, I was with my buddy Grant and we were at this like... It's like an empty retention pond. It's like a rainwater retention pond. And In at, our neighborhood. At the bottom of the pond were these cinder blocks that were cemented into the ground. There were two rows of them. They were kind of like you could hop from one to another. And my buddy Grant and I, we were racing on them. So, like, we were side by side, and we would hop, hop, hop. And so he was way ahead of me in this race. And I I looked up, and I was like, oh, this is pointless. I'm just going to jump off. And so I go to jump, like, off to the side. And when I do that, I slip. And I hit the corner. My shin hits the corner of another one of the cinder blocks. And... When it happened, I like I remember I fell and I was like, "Oh man, that was pretty rough." And I looked down to my right side and I saw my right leg was like pretty scraped up. It wasn't too bad. It actually looked kind of cool. And um I was like, "Okay, that's that's fine." Sounds like, like a right. boy's reaction. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, that's exactly how I was like, "Okay, those are those are cuts, but like nothing too deep and they'll look pretty cool when I clean them all up." But um <laughs> And I start looking to my left side, like, okay, please, please just make sure there's nothing wrong on this side. And I look and my shin has the biggest gash in it. Like I could see my bone. I could see everything. (laughs) And I was like, Oh no. And yeah, I had to go to the emergency. Well, I went to, yeah, I went to the emergency room. Um, and they told me, I had to go to this other hospital because I needed to get a, needed to get a skin graft um, because oh. there was no skin where the the shin got cut. Um, but when we went to this other hospital, there the doctor there was a, a wizard, and he <laughs> he found the skin and it was like wrapped underneath uh, my legs. So what oh. they had to do is they had to shoot me up with numbing medicine and that was the most painful thing i've ever been through in my life they gave me a shot um and the top of the cut on the side of it on the other side on the bottom and then one directly right in the middle and the one oh, in the middle oh hurts so damn bad oh but yeah and you were in like fifth or sixth grade yeah oh and it was right too. before track and field day which was <laughs> of course yeah great timing <laughs> oh Yikes. man yeah, but oh. those are pretty much all my stories I have for you guys. <laughs> Your stories of mutilation. Yeah. Officially I'm grossed out. I'm definitely not doing any leg modeling anytime soon. 
Actually, looking down, I think my toenails could use a clipping. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) TMI. And we're done. Goodbye. Yeah. I'd leave you guys with a little comment. Sounds like a guy in his 20s. Yeah, 100%. Sounds like That's a younger brother. If a girl had been through any of those, at least the last two stories, it, we would not have looked down and said, oh, cool. We would have probably burst into tears. Yeah. So, yes. Wow. Wow. So many, so many. It kind of shows how resilient our bodies can be. Right. And. Maybe sometimes you're like, okay, maybe that wasn't the smartest decision. Or maybe you think, no, I'm, I'm glad I survived it. I'm stronger now. But mm-hmm. it yeah. is amazing. Our, our bodies in the, like, I'm assuming you have full function of your legs. And so, like, the knee's fine eventually. And then, you know, your shin yeah. is as well, which totally our bodies it, are incredible. I mean, I feel like even it's just like a miracle when you just contemplate the human body. Just, oh, it fixes and, itself. And especially and, children, you know, and now having a little 18-month-old running around and all the things that he does to himself. And I feel like we have a little Kevin on our hands, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Don't get him near any open he, windows. He, oh, the yeah. other day I, like, came through um, our hallway upstairs and he had, like, half of his body out of our railings, which I didn't even know he could fit <gasps> through and was, like, Oh, a second from jumping or falling down. Oh my god! You know, and I was, you know, I was thinking about that. It's like, you know, he probably would have died, but maybe not because God mm. has made our bodies so resilient, and especially the bodies of little children. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's just like, like another miracle too. That you can go through all these things, and there's a chance of survival. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, guardian angels. <laughs> yeah. Kevin, do you have like any advice or words of encouragement just for our listeners based on all the things that you've gone through and trusting God? And I would say just always have faith in God, no matter, I mean, it could always be worse, no matter the situation, it could always be worse. Um, and you just really try your best to take a second whenever you, you know, feel like you've been in a situation where you could have been really hurt or like really, it could have been a lot worse. Um, and just like really take a second and you know, mm-hmm. thank God that it, it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And your guardian angel. And your guardian angel. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Cars and all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks for sharing all that. It's, it's, I don't grow up with brothers. And so it, it is funny to hear about, you know, little boys are very different than little girls. And, <laughs> you know, Bernadette, you have a little boy and, you know, you're probably going to see some crazy things, hopefully nothing too crazy. But, you know, <laughs> hearing some of that, I was like, yeah, my sisters and I never would have done the, most of those things. <laughs> Slide tackling? <laughs> heck no. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe leaning out a window to call on our friends, but we were more likely to go knock on the door and say, yeah. <laughs> will you come out? <laughs> so, well, who's on many miracles? I think it's you, Margaret. Oh, is it? <laughs> well, so I'm sure, uh, Kevin, your sister explained that at the end of each episode, we talk about a little, 
uh, miracle that has happened in, I don't know, the recent past in our lives. And I don't know, Bernadette, do you want to start this time? Sure. Yeah. So my mini miracle this week is Margaret again. Um, oh. We uh, we were traveling to visit our families in the Midwest. And then on our uh, trip back, we got on our first flight um, from Pittsburgh to Seattle and got a notification that our Seattle flight was canceled. And I sat there on hold for 40 minutes um, with a lady trying to get rebooked. And she was telling me like there was absolutely nothing like the next 24 hours and was not being helpful at all. And we ended up taking off while I was still on hold with her. Um, And mind you, like by the time we landed in Seattle, it was like already hours after Michael would have been asleep Eastern time. And we didn't have any of our luggage because it was supposed to be going all the way to Alaska. It was just a, a really stressful situation. Um, but anyway, thanks to the free in-flight texting, Margaret was actually, we just sent her our flight information and she called for us and somehow there was a flight available the next day direct to Anchorage. Whereas like the lady was saying, Oh, there's nothing open. And the, and the only flight that I could get you on, they're going to be like 16 hour trips from like Seattle to Anchorage laying over in like Juneau or somewhere for half a day. And, yeah. imagining all of this without any of Michael's stuff, oh. um, our son. And anyway, it was just like, it, it, you know, I'm talking to an agent and she can't help us. And then somehow our friend who offers to help, I don't know, you probably spent like four hours. That was like a five and a half hour flight. And we were texting you the whole time. Margaret somehow was able to get us on a flight. And then the next day there were all these issues like we were given multiple boarding passes that were wrong we tried to get on the flight multiple times and i was just praying and praying like lord please get us home and finally after everyone had boarded this flight that margaret got us on somehow um we were standing at the counter for like 10 minutes after boarding was over and somehow we were the last two people on the flight and we were like 20 rows apart both in middle seats and had to split up with michael i think my wonderful husband took him the whole flight but anyway, mm-hmm. it was definitely a miracle because there were so many people around us who had been stuck in Seattle for multiple days and um, like it was still a really, really crappy situation and we didn't get our luggage till like five days after we got back to Anchorage. But just, I don't know how Margaret got us a flight when, and, you know, someone in the company couldn't even do it. But just again, the miracle of friendship. And I'm so grateful that we weren't stuck longer. So thanks, Margaret. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm so happy that that was, I'm so happy it was successful. Like, yeah, I'm always worried about booking things for other people because I'm like, oh, what if it ends up being really awful? And then, you know, I feel bad, but. Uh, Oh my gosh. It was so helpful because I was very happy to help. If we had called five and a half hours later after landing, I'm oh, sure we wouldn't have sure. been booked for a day or two later because so anyway, yeah, thanks for that. It was definitely a mini <laughs> miracle for us. pleasure. <laughs> what about uh you, Paige? Um, okay, I have two. So my first one is that we found out we're having another boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Three boys. Boy Drew. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um 
So that's very exciting. We were very shocked. We definitely, I think all of us thought uh, we were going to be having a girl. Um, <laughs> so when we saw boy, we were like, why? But also just like, so equally as excited. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, my second mini miracle is so last night, Christian and I got to go on a date to the trans Siberian orchestra. Um, and we, so it's, um, at the Moody center in, in downtown Austin, which is like attached to the university of Texas campus. Um, and so the Moody center is, it's like the basketball stadium. Um, but they also have concerts and plays and all of these right. things there. So it's, it's like a ton of seating and you can be up really high. And I was just like, I'm just going to buy the cheapest tickets because I just want to like listen to the music basically. Um, and so we got there and we were a little bit late because traffic and all that. Um, and when we got to our seats, there was an elderly couple sitting in our seats and like the concert had already started. So it was really loud. And Christian's like talking to this elderly couple and they're like, well, someone took our seats. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, like, what do we do? Um, and so then there were two seats like in the same row, just farther down. Um, so we're like, okay, let's just sit here. And if the people come for these seats, we'll just move to another set of seats and just kind of keep hopping. And so then we're sitting there and it's like pretty hard to see the stage. Um, and I didn't realize this, but the Trans-Siberian Orchestra is very visual. Um, mm. and so, it was like, oh man, yeah, we're on the side. We were, we were on the side and very high up. And so it was kind of hard to see. And I, I was also thinking, wow, if we were in our original seats, that was even farther to the side. Um, and so it would have been even harder to see in those original seats. And then the people came for the seats that we were in. Oh, <laughs> so we had to get up and move again. And there was this whole row, like, at the whole bottom of that section that was completely empty. And so we went down there and we sat there and it was basically, we were still high up, but we were basically like front row, not front row, mm. but like, you know, front row of this whole section. And so we had an amazing view now of the whole stage and everything. Awesome. Like we were more in the middle now, we weren't on the side as much. And I was just sitting there and I was literally thinking, this is going to be my mini miracle because this is such a good view of the show. Yeah. We ended up having to move one more time, but it was only a few more rows up. And I was just like, oh my gosh, we're just hopping all over. Um, but no, it was really cool. Um, and we got to sit in those like really good seats for majority of the show. So that was nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Margaret? You know, I really think my mini miracle is the snow and mm -hmm. the fact that I never got stuck driving in the snow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was saying earlier. So I, I love to cross country ski. And last year I started cross country skiing in October. Actually, no, I started in September. Um, and then we got a ton of snow and it's this, you know, almost mid December here now. And I haven't, skied once actually I have yesterday I skied through my neighborhood because literally I went to drive mm -hmm. out and there were a couple people stuck and I was like forget it I'm just gonna ski on my streets and so I did and it was wonderful so I love love <laughs> love snow I was I was so giddy 
um, yesterday, even though I was a little nervous driving, because I, in all seriousness, I don't think I've ever seen quite this much snow at one time before. And, Me you neither. know, trucks were getting stuck. So that tells you it was just accumulating so fast and so deep. And so um, I did go to work. And I work pretty close to where I live. And it was funny because it was just me and Father Arthur there. And we were both like, he, he comes in and checks on me. He's like, Margaret, it's still snowing. I'm like, I know, Father's in this fun. And, you know, we're going out and taking pictures. And just, <laughs> it's just, it's so beautiful. It's so refreshing. And then today, just driving around and just seeing how perfectly the snow sits on a roof. Or it just mm-hmm. creates this whole, it's this whole artistic look. And I'm just like, well, God, you are so unbelievably creative because there's mm-hmm. just so much beauty in it, even though it's, you know, kind of treacherous at times. So that's my mini miracle because I've been praying for snow because I we, we haven't had enough to ski. And believe me, I'm pretty sure we do now. So <laughs> um, thank you, Jesus. And actually, it's supposed to snow some more in a few days. So we'll see what happens. Oh my gosh. But yep. <laughs> my mini miracle snow, Kevin, you're up. And I don't think your mini miracle has to do with snow. Just a hunch. (laughs) I think my mini miracle is my fantasy football team finally clinched a playoff spot. And after everybody (laughs) said that they wouldn't, we did it. Congratulations. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you. Time to win a championship. (laughs) I'm sure you put so much effort into that. It was very anticlimactic. I won't win this. Yeah. I had somebody else recruit my team for me one year and I won, but so I wasn't really. Good luck to you. Who's your quarterback? Or maybe Uh, Joey B, Joe Burrow. Okay, awesome. Just curious. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for sharing everything, Kevin. It was really interesting hearing all of your stories. Definitely had some shock value today. Yes. (laughs) Um, But yeah, thanks for being willing to share. Like we said. We just want people to hear stories on this podcast and just wonder, you know, like, oh, there, there's something bigger than us um, and something bigger than this life. So we appreciate all of the, all of the additions that you gave to us today. Yeah, I'm <laughs> um, glad I can do it. So I'm going to close us all out in prayer in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for the gift of the friendship that we have here and family. And thank you so much for preserving Kevin's life and that he could be here with us today, sharing these stories. And Lord, I just ask anyone who's listening to this, uh, whatever suffering anyone has experienced in the past or is experiencing now or has um, seen around them, Lord, please just help us to remember to ask, you know, this is your will. What, what is it that you're going to do with it? Um, and just to be open to growing closer to you through our suffering rather than turning away from you, uh, which can be so easy to, um, to question and to blame in those times of hardship. But we just ask Lord that you would inspire faith in everyone listening, just to know that the Lord cares and has a purpose for each of our lives and um, and we just ask for a special blessing on Kevin and Paige and their family. And we just offer thanksgiving for um, for the ways that you have preserved their lives uh, for Kevin and for also for their sister who is cured of cancer, um, and for for all the other ways that you have had your healing up, hand upon their family and all of us. We just give you thanks and. Uh, 
We offer all of this in Mama Mary's name on her feast today. So Mother Mary, pray for us and blessed Fulton. Sorry, sorry, I would say blessed venerable Fulton Jean. Pray for us. Pray for, Amen. Pray for us. <laughs> Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Awesome. All right. See you guys See you next, next time. time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Moving Mountains podcast. If you have a miracle story to tell, please call our hotline at 412-449-9609. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Moving Mountains Podcast AK. We encourage you to subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and share our podcast with others. We'll see you next time.